I remember I was with a person who couldn't breathe because he had a bad asthma situation. I said, how are you doing? He says, not good, I need air. And sometimes when you understand what we need, like air of a person who's having an asthma restriction, we need God. We need God in every equation, every situation, every circumstance. Can you just give him some things that he give you breath today? He's good, he's great. He has a good thing to happen. Well, I'm glad you came out. Everybody calling this church today? Do they not know me? <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what, if you had to go to work, would you go to work? Hmm? If you had a sports game going on, you just bought tickets and you've been waiting for this game. You're going to go to the game? Come on now. Someone says, come over to my house and I'll, I'll take care of your mortgage this month. You're going to get out there? Are you going to get to their house? What you love is what you do. So when you put your heart into the Lord, God will take care of you. He will help you. He will strengthen you. He will do all that he needs to do. Amen? Amen. Give him praise one more time in the house of the Lord. Before we go into worship, give people to come on in. Greet somebody in the name of Jesus. I'm so glad you're near me. Give me a little warmth. Tell them they look marvelous. Come on, someone, tell somebody they look marvelous. Go ahead. Don't lie in church, but tell them you look marvelous. Oh, thank you, buddy. Thank you, buddy. Well, let's go for Father. Let's ask God to just... Stir our hearts, change our hearts, so we be able to hit salt in his life. Father, we are so grateful for who you are. Now, Lord, as we just enter into your courts with praise, Lord, as we take these words and make them our song to your heart, God, will you just draw ever so close. And may your sweetness of your presence be lavished on each one as we live our life with the audience of one. We ask this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Good morning on a cold morning. Last night, in front of the house, I was doing a little plowing in the driveway and stuff, and um, I saw the road really bad. People were having a hard time with all the wind. So I decided to take the plow and go on the road and kind of help people out a little bit. And while I'm in the midst of it, the city came by with their big trucks on the opposite direction. Two giant plows, don't know why they did this. Me and the guy worked later on this. Um, I'll tell you why. And um, instead of putting all the stuff to the right side, they put it to the middle and to the other side. So these two giants took all the snow and just placed it on the opposite lane and uh, going east. And, um, and now, that, now, now I know we have problems. And um, so I see a person get stuck. I'm like, this is not good. Not good at all. Because I know it's going to happen. Been down this. Before you know it, we have 12 people behind this one person. And what do you think happens after? People get impatient. And they think, you know what? I'm going to go around to the good side. And they have to forget something. They have about a foot of snow in the medium here that they've created. Everybody's getting stuck. It is a mess. And I'm looking and saying, God, I see your illustration. When we are not patient, we create so much of a chaos. And before you know it, everybody's thing was jammed. And um, so I spent quite a few, a bit of time trying to get people unstuck. Um, why I tell you this story? Why I tell you this story because 
life has a lot of things that happens to us. And we've been talking about CPR. And as you know, CPR, everybody knows what CPR stands for, cardiopulmonary resuscitation. Those that are nurses here today, you totally get it. You know, we use that in case of a heart attack or a drowning, and when the heart stops, blood flow, and we do these things to do what? Well, CPR has a reason. Could you help me, Steve? Has a reason, what the first aid, what first aid really tries to do. First aid wants to do three Ps, three Ps. It wants to preserve life, it wants to prevent deterioration, and it wants to promote recovery. Okay, this is important. I want you to understand that in your spiritual walk, if you do not stay close to the Lord, you put yourself in position to bring havoc and problems your way. CPR means we need sometimes, we need God to bring a fresh breath. We need God to preserve our life uh, for the things we do. We need God to come in and help us so we don't deteriorate the things that we have. We need God to come in to promote recovery, to bring our relationship back back this way so our relationships can go better this way. Let me tell you something. Your relationship with God will never be good this way unless it's good this way. Amen? You can say amen or not, amen, but that's the truth. If you want good relationship this way, both people have to get the relationship this way because, see, for the man, the man's going to understand what to do with his wife because the, man, the man's goal is to love wife like Christ loved the church. That's big. That's really big. And so we've been talking for two weeks now about CPR. We're talking about the life of Daniel. And today we're going to finally, and his friends, and we're going to talk about his friends today. You know, the big question is that we stop sometimes uh, serving the Lord because, well, we stop breathing in his uh, air and stop thinking about his ways. And, you know, people don't backslide in one day. They backslide gradually. It's like erosion. They don't even know it happens. I, I want you to understand this. I love this portion of scripture here found in Isaiah. Isaiah says this, fear not, for I am with you. Someone say promise. promise. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Someone say promise. There's promise with a power there. There's power with a promise. Every time in God, you'll have God giving you a promise, but with that po promise comes his power. But we sometimes want to take things on our own, do it our way. And so before you know it, we need CPR from heaven. We need God to bring in us a fresh breath because you know what? We're kind of doing it ourselves. And all of us have seasons in life and all of us go through things. We will find ourselves where we need God to resuscitate us to the way he wants us to be. Amen? Now, the word spirit, pneuma, means spirit and breath. But if you're not in the word of God, you're never going to get God's breath. You're never going to get God's freshness. You need to be in the word of God. That's so important. 2 Timothy 3.16, we talked about this. All scripture is what? God's breathed. It is actually the word inspiration in the original language. It is actually the same word when God breathes into the nostrils of Adam, God brought life. That's the same thing that God's word does to us. It's the same word, the same word that God breathed in the nostrils of Adam and brought forth life is this word right here in 2 Timothy. All scripture is God breathed. I want you to get this even more. Uh, Paul the apostle had a life verse. How many have life verses? Anybody have life verse? Okay. A life verse is a verse you live by. 
I have a couple of them, and I really do live by them. This is one of my life verses, and I want all of us to say it together. Amen? There it goes. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, watch this, who loved me and gave himself for me. Wow. If you just look at this, Paul the Apostle is talking to the church, and he's insane. And if you look at the life of Paul, he's so committed. He's so committed. I'm going to ask you, how committed are you? How committed are you to your job? How committed are you to your health? How committed are you to the gym? How committed are you to your family? How committed are you to God? How committed are you? I want you to find that one area that you're really committed to because you must like it, want it, there's some type of love for it. And ask yourself, is my commitment to something else greater than my commitment to God? Paul the Apostle lived... He's all God's. When he finally had that road to Damascus, he was a changed man. It was no way looking back. So that's why he says, I have been crucified with Christ. And now the life I, I live, I live in Christ. I no longer live. It's not me anymore. It's Christ living in me. That's the transformation that takes place. I had that moment. If you knew me before I knew Jesus, <laughs> you might have not liked me. You might not like me now. <laughs> But I was far from God, so far from God, and had this moment, transformational moment, and, and, and she knows. And one moment changed my life. Hated school, hated this, hated, hated this. God all of a sudden changed me around. You know, and now, I'm, now it's nice to see, I, you know, finish my, my doctorate, fin you know. And this is a guy who couldn't put two words together. Transformation takes place. Let's take a journey today. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell them, tell them this. Are you ready to receive? Come on, tell them. Are you ready to receive? Come on, tell somebody. Don't yawn at me. Are you ready to receive? All right. Because here's the thing. Someone can tell you something so good for you at the right season, at the right time, but if you don't receive it, then it's never going to do nothing for you. And this is important. Let's learn how to live our lives, especially in a new year that we have, to be consistent in our actions, persistent in our drive, and resistant to setbacks, and especially those that say you can't. If you know me, I don't do well with can't. I taught my kids not to live by a can't. Usually it's something you don't want to do, but usually the things we need to do, we need to do them because they're good for you. So let me quickly, let me quickly run through where we've been. In Daniel chapter 1, we talked about Daniel's in a situation. He's now a slave. He's now been taken out of his home. He's now in Babylon. And now he has this food that he doesn't want to defile his body. He doesn't want to defile the body because the, the Bible says certain things back then not to eat. And, he was, and they did certain things to the food that he wasn't going to do. He did not want to defile his body. He was consistent. He didn't do it when he was in his home. Now he's in a foreign land, and he's still the same thing. And he finds a way. He's persistent in his faith. And he goes up to the official, and he says, hey, listen, do a test. Do a test. And see if we just get vegetables and water, and everybody can eat everything else. And after 10 days, let's see who looks better. 
So he's persistent. He finds a way where it seems to be no way. Now, the official didn't want to do it. And so here he is, again, resistant to where the official is. And he's going back and forth until the God gives him favor. And the official says, okay, we'll do it for 10 days. Even though if you look bad, I can lose my life. Because you don't want to get a king upset. We're going to talk about that today. And so there you see God giving favor to Daniel. Daniel wants to honor God. God honors Daniel. And at the end of that story, this is what it says. At the end of the three-year training, Daniel and his friends, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them, he found them ten times better than everyone else in the kingdom. Can someone say favor? When you get the favor of God, nothing truly is impossible. But there's a journey to get close to the heart of God. There's a journey to do so. Chapter 2, we've talked about Daniel and his friends. The king has a dream. And he wants to know, the, uh, the, what, what about this dream? This is a very important dream, especially when you're talking about eschatology, the end times. And so he has this dream, and he tells all his magicians and sorcerers and astrologers and says, hey, I'm not going to tell you the dream. I want to make sure you know how to interpret it. You tell me what my dream was and interpret it, and I'll give you great gifts. But if you don't, I'm going to have you cut in pieces and your home's burned. You know, great judgment. And so all of a sudden, Daniel was probably not at this meeting. And so Daniel goes and choir. Here he is once again. He's consistent in his action. He goes and finds out what's happening and goes up to the person who's going to kill him. He has orders, go get Daniel, go get them, and we're going to do them in. They're going to kill all the wise men. Daniel goes out of his way, goes to the official who's looking for all of the wise men, astrologers, and magicians, and says, hey, listen, listen, listen. I just want to know, why was the decree so harsh? A man of wisdom, a man of calmness, and he asked the question, and the official said, hey, this is the reason why. He says, I like to have talked to the king. He is persistent. He is now persistent in his drive and says, I want to go talk to the king myself. He gets the thing and tells the king, kid, give me a little bit of time. We'll give you an interpretation. The king gives Daniel time, but didn't give the other ones any time. He said, that's it. You're done. And then, of course, resistant. Resistant because the astrologer says, nobody can tell you the dream. No wise man has ever been asked by any king, no matter how great and noble he is, to interpret a dream, but also tell you the dream itself. No one can do it. Not even the gods, because the gods don't live here among us. But yet there is a God who intervenes and speaks and gives wisdom and gives insights and helps us. When we seek him, someone say amen. Or I'll preach ten times longer. You see, we have to realize who God is. We, we see God through such a small thing. We have a world that bombards us with all these thoughts, with all these ways. We need to rise up and understand what does the word of God say, and we need to take the word of God to heart. You know, it doesn't matter what they're doing over here or doing over here. The question is, is what are you doing? Because you're going to be accountable before God. You're not going to say, well, you know, George over here. No pun to George. <laughs> see? I try to use names, but so the reality is, the reality is you don't look at others, you look toward God. Someone say amen. God gives great wisdom to Daniel and his friends as they, in, their, in the problem, they're resistant against the problem. They're not going to let the setback, okay, we got a death certificate. They go into an all-night prayer meeting and they see God and guess what happens? God speaks. Hello. 
Well, that's good for them, Pastor. Yeah, that's really good for them. That's a great story. Not a story. That really happened because they were willing to serve God no matter what. People sometimes belittle the Lord and not understand how great and how powerful he really is. He's very gracious, very forgiven. He's all-knowing. God is great. We need to go to him. We need to turn to him. It's important. So let's turn the corner to chapter 3 now, and let's talk a little bit about Daniel and his friends. Now, I'm going to refer to them as Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and we always do that, but their real names are different, and we'll talk about that in a second. These three guys stood out, stood firm. They stood out and stood firm. Why? Because they had faith. They, they, had, they had something on the inside. What causes a person to stand up and stand out and stand firm when it's, it's really hard? Anybody can, anybody can swim downstream. But you ever try swimming upstream? You ever try swimming against the current? You know, when I, when I was scuba diving one day, I was in probably 50 feet of water and stuff, and we, we put the boat there, and um, my brother set the anchor. And that anchor, I guess, let go. And when a boat's anchor lets go, let me just say, everybody say this together. It's not good. <laughs> and when you come up and your boat is not in the position it's supposed to be, mm, someone has to make the truck, you know, everybody stays here and someone has to take a journey to try to get the boat to bring it on back. I want you to say something. God is your anchor. And even though you may drift, God is steady. God is steady. And all we have to do is come to him and learn and come to him and learn. How many know that life is a bunch of learning? Amen? I learned more from my failures and my faults than I learned from all my successes. When I was in school, I saw a lot of red pen. Trust me, I wrote a lot of red pen. I'm not going to tell the story, but I only write with red today, only because God did a thing in me that's just incredible. Because the red was never to hurt me, it was to help me. So I'm going to say amen. But we don't like correction, but correction is what makes you better, not bitter. When you don't want to get corrected, that's when you get bitter. That's when you start to puff up and spread out your feathers and make a lot of noise. I want to talk about Daniel's friends because they were full of character. They were full individuals who, um, that were important even to Daniel. And I want to just take a moment here, talk a little bit about Daniel. You saw how Daniel was a man of faith, that Daniel had character, and Daniel stood up. He was consistent and persistent and resistant. He was living the life with God. But I want you to know that he had three of his friends, Hananiah, Azariah, and Hananiah, I can't believe it again. Hananiah, um, Azariah, Hananiah, and Lord knows, huh? Michal. Yeah, thank you so much. Star, right there. And, uh, and he had these friends. And I want you to know, your company you keep is your food you eat. I want you to understand that your friends that you hang with will, that's supposed to lift you up, supposed to challenge you. And here's a good one, here's a good one. They will correct you when they think you are wrong because they love you. Hello. We don't usually like that type of correction, but Daniel had three friends, and the three friends had Daniel, and these were the guys who were hanging together while they were slaves in a foreign country with all type of things coming down their way. I want you to understand this. It's important. The company you keep is the food you eat, and we need to ask, what's my company? 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. 
So I want you to understand, are the people you hang with, do they build you up? Do they pour something into your cup? Or are they always trying to drain something out of it? You see, healthy relationships are when both are poured into the cup and both have a mutual respect and honor for each other. These guys did life together, and that's why they carried a CPL way of living. Proverbs 27, I love it, 17, iron sharpens iron. It's the bottom line. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. That's why God created the church. We're all different. Praise God, we're all different. Someone say amen. amen. If you were all the same, it would be boring. I, I do not look for people the same. I like different because I can learn from somebody who's different. They have different characteristics. They have different likes. They have different uh, giftings. You learn from that. Those are the ones you want to put around you. So let's first, let me lay a little foundation here. As we bring a challenge to Daniel's friends, Hananiah, Michal, and Azariah, I want to take you back uh, to a portion that we talked about before about where the foundation takes place. The foundation takes place is when... We are committed to Christ, we'll be connected. One who is connected is one who will be consistent. And one who is consistent, watch this now, is one who will carry out the work of God. You cannot get away. You say, well, I want to get connected to God. You cannot get connected to God unless you first make a commitment of a heart. It's like a person saying, I do. There's got to be a connection. There's going to be a commitment there, a lifetime commitment. Who is who are the one you committed to? Who are the one you connected to? And are you consistent? And if you do that with the Lord, that's your first love, then he'll carry out, you'll carry out the work of God. Daniel in chapter 1, 6 and 7, this is where their names were changed. They changed their names to try to change their identity because they were going to put them into a three-year culture change. And among these were some from the Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Michal, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. Daniel, name of Betazah, which is a, a type of a false god, and to Hananiah, Shadrach, another false god, to Michal, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. So I want you to understand that when I use those names today, I am referring to the three Hebrew believers. So let's take a journey with a portion of scripture here, and let's look at Daniel chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar had an image of gold 90 feet high and 90 feet wide and set it up on a plain of Dura and the province of Babylon. He then summoned his satraps, his prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, and magistrates, and all the other provincials, officials, to come to the dedication to the image he had set up. So the satraps... Perfects, governors, advisors, treasury, judges, magistrates, and all the other providential officials assembled for the dedication of the king, of the image of the king Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before it. And then the herald loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, O people, nations, and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sounds of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and, wor 
and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horns, flute, zither, flute, harp, and all kinds of music, and all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and, and worshiped the image of gold, and the king Nebuchadnezzar had set up. I want you to get something. This is the process. He sets up this image. Now, I want you to understand what was, what was chapter 2. Chapter 2 was that dream. Remember the dream we talked about? Big giant image. And God said, you are the head of gold. Not very long, he now makes this giant image of gold to give tribute, to give worship. King Nebuchadnezzar sets this 90 foot by 9 feet statue. I want you to understand something. He gets all his leaders, all that he called was his leaders, because he wanted to get them all to make sure that they were connected to him, to worship. It's all connected. I want you to get this. All his leaders come around, and they're told what to do, and everybody does it, or do they? Because Daniel's friends, Hananiah, Michal, and Azariah, they understood how to walk with God. They understood what it was to do. And so something happens. Look what happens now when things start to change. At the, this time, some astrologers... Let me stop here for a moment. I'll get back to that. I'll just let me read this and I'll get back to it. Someone remind me of astrologers. Someone say astrologers. astrologers. All right, you got it then. At this, some, at this time, the astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. And they said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all the kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom among you have, you have set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve, listen to this, your gods, nor worship the image of God you set up. Let's take it for a moment. What was that word I told you to memorize? Good. Astrologers. If you remember chapter 2, and they an the astrologers answered the king harshly, and the king said, that's it. You're all going to, we're going to burn your houses, and we're going to cut you in pieces. You're all going to die. It was Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego who went into prayer and saved the hide of the astrologers. Other than that, those astrologers would have died because the king said, kill all of them. Can't kill all of them. But because of Daniel, Meshach, and Shadrach, and Abednego, they prayed. God listened to their prayer, and now the astrologers are still living. And guess what? They now are going for the king and squealing on them and saying, you have some people, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, that they, they are not bowing down, God. I just want to let you know. They are not bowing down, king. And they, they, uh, they do not want to worship. Now, I want you to get this. They were squealing. How many of you have squealed on your brother when you were younger or your sister? Come on, let's see. Uh-huh, I see a few hands. How many are still squealing? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You see, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were standing up in a sit-down culture. You see, we, so many times, we live in a sit-down culture. We want, everybody wants you to kind of do what you, and as soon as you don't do what they ask you to do because you have a, let's say, a biblical conviction... 
they fight against it because you're not doing what they want you to do. See, I love this. It's happened in the book of Acts, the same thing. You and I need to understand, are you going to be a person who's going to stand up when everybody's sitting down? Are you going to go along with it just because, well, that's how we appease? Or there are some things in life that you say, no, I draw the line here. I cannot compromise in this area because this is downright. Arthur Fonzarelli couldn't say it, but I can. Wrong. How many know Fonz? Anybody know the Fonz? Come on. You know the Fonz. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's wrong. The problem is we just sometimes want to sit down. All of those people just knelt down because they were told to without any conviction. But these three guys said, no, I am not going to do that. And there's reasons why they would not bow down. You have to understand that. There's a reason why. Well, pastor, what's the reason? Well, here's the reason. Exodus 24 and 5. They want to honor God. You shall not make yourself an idol in a form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I am the Lord God. They had convictions, and my question today is, where are the convictions? And if we don't have convictions, it's because we haven't been near where the convictions come from. It's in the presence of God. It's in the Word of God. And when we spend time in the Word of God, when we spend time with what God wants, and we start doing it His way, that's when He makes a way. I love the Scripture, He makes a way where there seems to be no way. And I tell people all the time, that's because that's who God is, but you have to be in His way. See, see, this is the reason why they had, they had conviction. They were going to honor God more than anybody else. This is big. Character comes. Now, listen. I want everybody to say that. I, come on, I am not perfect. I know it might shock you. Nobody is. But there should be an inside desire to do what is right. Why? Because we want to honor God. In the midst of a struggle, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of heaviness, God has to be our first love, our audience of one. Even in the flops and failures, run to God, run to God, say, God, here I am again. Why is that? Because we want to grow. We don't want to be the same. There's another type of people who say, that's it, I can't, nope, can't do it. No, they, they give up. See, quit is never win, and win is never quit. And if you don't quit, you win. Paul the apostle made a mess. Moses made a mess. Elijah, in a sense, made a mess. There's a lot of messes out there. How, how glad are you for Jesus Christ? Hello? I didn't hear, I didn't hear a big amen on that one. Amen. Ah, too late, too late, too late, too late. <laughs> So here you have these individuals who are saying, I'm going to honor God. Understand, understand that you can't stand up when everybody else is kneeling. You're going to stand out. I mean, just think of it. Sometimes people say to me sometimes too, it's like, you know, Pastor, um, you know, I, 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 I could, my legs were hurting and I, I couldn't stand up because of my legs. And, and, but everybody was standing. I'm like, you know what? That's understandable. Don't not let guilt like that. God knows your heart. It's not that you didn't. It's just that you were maybe, you're in church in the midst of having some leg problems. I think of Art, 92 years old, has leg problems, but yet he still stands to his feet. Makes my liver quiver when he does that. 
I mean, why does it? Why does it? Out of honor for God. Out of honor for God. That's why we do what we do. When we talk about consistentness, and this is what I want to talk to you because Daniel's friends were consistent. They were consistent in, in doing what they were supposed to do. Consistent. They knew what they were supposed to do. And no matter if they were home or they're in a foreign land being a slave, trying to be taught how to be different, they were as consistent as what? Gravity. No matter what, this ball is going to come down. It's going to come down. Every single time, consistent. You, you don't have to worry about it. If I do this, it's going to come your way, and it's finally going to come down to somebody. You ready, one? All right. I'm going to throw the ball. He comes right down. He caught it. You can hold on to it now. You see, the reality is we, have to, we need to be consistent like that. We need to know that God wants to come, bring things down to us. God wants to help us. He wants us to be consistent, though, for us. He says, well, you've you got to do your part. Sometimes people say, well, God, God's got to do it. God, no, 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 God starts with you. God starts with you. Don't put, everybody, don't put everything in God's court. Look what it says here. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of God? Gold, I have set up. Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then listen to this part. Listen to this part. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? I want you to get this. This is powerful. You and I need to understand that these young men will be inconsistent and they'll be for the king. I mean, more people weep their pants when they're before the king because your life could be in and out in a second. And you're going before an arrogant, prideful king, King Nebuchadnezzar. He's going to have a moment with God. God's going to do a moment in his life coming up in a few chapters. Because his pride was huge. And God elevated him to a level to rule over all the land. And God told him just that. However, however, these three believers in God had conviction. Their conviction was not based on their preference. Their conviction was based on God's word. There's a big difference. A lot of people have preferences, but their personal preference. Well, I like this. That's nice. We all like different things. But what are your biblical convictions? That's important. Here's the thing. They were persistent in their drive. So the king says to them, what God could pull you out of my hand? He's given them a chance. Matter of fact, tell you what, this grace and mercy from a prideful, arrogant king, he's actually didn't throw them. Right. He gave them a second chance. Someone say second chance. Yeah, he gave them a second chance and said, listen, I'm going to give you another chance. But if not, you're going to be thrown into the fire. Look at the persistentness of their focus. Look at the persistentness of their um, drive. Look what they say. To the king, 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve, here it goes, is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But, but even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods and worship the image of gold you have set up. Woo! You need to get this. Because during COVID, some of you Christians were like scared like, I don't know what. Tell you what, because you allow all kind of stuff, pump you up, pump you up. Don't get educated. Just listen to the, to the, the noise. If God's capable of doing incredible things, he's capable of working in your life. And if so being, that's your day to check out. That was your number from the very beginning. Because God says he knows the numbers of your days. Where's the faith of walking and trusting God? While I walk to the shallow death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. either with you or he's not. These guys got it. They're willing to lay down something they believe in. Could you imagine if the church really stood up and said, you know what, we're going to trust God? We're going to pray? There's a revolutionary idea. They said, King, we don't have to defend ourselves. I'm going to tell you. We're not going to do it. And, and King, I just let you know that our God can deliver us from your hand. You do not tell a prideful, arrogant king that there's someone greater than him. Because this ticked him off. I mean, this really ticked him off. And then they said this, though. And even if God chooses not to save us, we're still not going to worship you. Worship it. We're not going to do it. We're in it to win it. You've got to admit, if that don't honor God, you know, God on his faith and faith on his God. Man, could you imagine when God looks down to, in earth and he sees his bright, shiny stars on earth like he did with Job? We understand so little. We really do. But we think we understand so much. This is a day-by-day -day walk of trust with God. It's beautiful. Sometimes it's difficult as well. Their belief and faith has empowered them to believe with a drive of action. And they just believe, and you know what? My, our God can, can deliver us from your hand, king. I know you rule over all the earth, but, you know, our king's bigger. <laughs> it's great. I want you to take that to your problems. No matter what happens and what says, you know, you got to remember who your God is. Changes my heart. We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. He, they're just admitting it. They're not trying to save faith. They're totally admit, admitting it. There are, they are persevering. Last week, my persevering object lesson. My buddy's not here this morning. But bottom line is, if I put you 12 feet away from this, you know, could you get it in? It's easy to do, like, small. But when you get really far, you know, and now you're going to have to persevere. It's going to take quite a bit to be able to get it in. And that's why we need all these to persevere. When, the, when we run out of this here, we say, oh, I need to persevere. And we got to go to the service. Which you can't persevere if you don't make the... Ooh, almost get that one in. You see, persevering is not quitting when it's tough. And it's tough to get a ping pong ball in a very small opening 
in a difference. Just as well, it's really tough sometimes when you go, you're in a situation in life and it's really hard for you and you're like, God, I don't really like this moment. I don't like this season. I know. We're all faced with those things, but that's when we grow. That's, that's where God does something in our heart. That's where we learn how to trust him. That's when we learn how to really understand who he is. Because they're being persevering. They're persevering right now. And this is powerful, really powerful. I want you to know that they had gumption. Faith demonstrated is more than I know it. Faith demonstrated is when you really walk it. The difference about cognitive understanding versus application of your heart to what you believe. People say they believe a lot, but you find out what you believe when you're finally going through something. It brings out the truth. Watch what happens here. I want to just focus on verse 18. Even if he does not, even if he does not, even if he does not, we want you to know king. (laughs) Love these guys. People say, I wish I'd see this person in heaven. I, I I like to hear the story firsthand. These guys here, they were all special believers. Oh, king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you set up. They're ready to die for what they believe. Job said, though he slay me, yeah, I will trust you. Psalms 56, 3 and 4, listen to what the psalmist says. When I'm afraid, I'm going to trust you. In God, who the word I will praise. In God, I trust. I will not be afraid. What? Can mortals do to me? It's it's amazing. They were resistant. They were resistant to the setback. They're about to have a setback. When then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. Hmm, I wonder why. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie them up, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, their trousers, their turbans, and all clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king commanded was so urgent, and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. I want you to stop for a moment because we can read this and say, wow, that's really cool. I want you to be the one getting ready to throw in the furnace. I want you to be the one that says you have faith. I want you to be the one thinking about is your faith to that point where you're willing to stand out, stand up and stand out. Because, see, it's not about what we know. It's about what we do and what we do in the moment that's really tough, that the heat's really on. That's what's going to really cause us to grow. It's in the moment of the heat. It's in the moment of the pressure. It's in the moment. And right now, you talk about kitchen getting hot. It was hot. Now, it's this seven times hotter. Most likely, if you know anything about King Nebuchadnezzar, he was a builder. And one of the things he liked to do is put his name on the bricks. And so he had his kilns, and he had some special kilns that he did. And most likely, this is one of his special kilns that he had for his brick building that he put his name on. 
And you can even today, if you go on the, on the internet, you can get a replica, and even they even have some real ones. Uh, they still have many bricks, because he, he had so many bricks in his building with his name on it. You can't read it, uh, but it, it's, uh, it's, it's on it. And I want you to understand something, is that this was probably heated with seven times more fuel because it was so quick. It was so hot that it killed the ones that threw them in. So that means, I, I used to be a steam engineer, so I worked, I, I did boilers, you know what I mean? It was different type of boilers, and some boilers you could open up. That, and anyhow, when you opened it up, the heat was immense uh, that, would, that it would emanate. And I want you to understand something. It was so hot that it consumed these strong men. Uh, um, when he did this, um, King was full of pride, and I believe he heated it up seven times because when they said that our God's able to deliver us, he was making sure that they would die instantly when he got to the fires. He was not going to try to give the God of Meshach, Shadrach, any chance. So he's guaranteed, soon as you threw him in, instant dead. Well, there's something that happens in life sometimes when we learn from life. This is Jesus. If I could put Jesus in a paper, paper towel roll. <laughs> Jesus want, is our strength. We can take our life and we can simply put the books and Jesus will hold us because he's strong. But you and I, we're weak. We think we're strong, whatever, but we, I get the smallest book I have here. Great woman in the Bible. Nothing. But you know something? If you choose to wrap yourself around Jesus on a daily basis, if you choose to really make a choice, the right choice, every day to get into the Word of God, every day see what the Word of God will speak to you and you then yield yourself to it every day, as you go through testings in your life, and you will go through testings because the test helps us. When we go through the testings, God will then do something to us and mold us. He will mold us into a shape. Well, his shape. And it's amazing that when you mold him to a shape, it's amazing how now, I never did this on, I never did this before here on this table, so it's going to be interesting. Oh, I made a mistake. Okay, we'll see how we do with this because I didn't make my paper straight. Your paper has to be straight. Talking. Man, we're going to have to do this all over again. Paper cutter, that's what I need. Um, let's try this. Let me, hold on for a minute. Okay. We're going to do it now. Don't worry, it works. But what ends up happening is that where you couldn't hold nothing before, let's get risky. <laughs> when you couldn't do it before, but yet God comes on the scene and he does something in you that causes you. You should see my practice as a piece of cake. It's always in public that it happens. 
It's not. It's, it's the way I rolled it up. You see, God will strengthen you. Could you have done this by yourself? No. But the thing is, God wants to shape you to be after him. So you live in his strength. You live in his help. See, we think we're strong. I happen to been in pastor for a long time, and I happen to see a lot of people. If I would have made this totally straight around here and made it straight, I could put all four of these books and more on it. But if you can see, it's barely it. I didn't put it straight, so therefore, your foundation that you create makes a difference of what you can build on. Amen? There's another illustration. Poor foundation, you can't build on things. So I can only put two books on that because I didn't do the paper and the foundation. It's not totally straight on the bottom. It's a little crooked. Same thing in life. If you don't work on the foundation, you're not going to be able to build anything on it in your life. Let's look at this. Look at 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement, and he asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see a four man walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the son of God. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, perfects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that their fire had not harmed their bodies, nor the hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Oh, my. Can someone say praise the Lord? Come on. Can someone say that's my God? I get excited about that because, see, a lot of times people say, well, that's great for them. No, no, you missed it. That's the same God. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hello? He's a good God. He's a great God. You look at 25. Look, I see the fourth man walking in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth man looks like the Son of God. Christ is our fourth man when we're in the fire. God is that fourth man. He says, you're not alone. Jesus says, I, I, I will not leave you nor forsake you. There's a promise even when the fire is, even when you feel the heat. But can you stick your hands to the plow? Can you really say, God, I believe it? It's not easy. Not easy for any of us. I've been through plenty of stuff. Trust me. But when we do grab hold of it, and we think, God, I, I got it. It helps us in the next time, and it helps us in the next time, and it helps us in the next time. And then down the line, you find yourself, this is where I was, but this is where I am today. But you could not get here unless you learn all of the things you need along the way. That's what makes a testimony. Paul the Apostle, man, look at the dude. He just didn't get it. But when he finally got it, he got better every day. Look at your neighbor and say, better every day. Hmm. All the king's officials, you know, they want to check him out. No, now, don't you think the miracle that the four guys, three guys come out alive is enough miracle? But I love this. I love this. I love this because this is so true in life. Because the analytical individuals now are going to say, hmm, I don't see him burned. Hmm. He don't even smell like smoke. Hmm. He came out of fire. That's enough for me. 
while the other guys died throwing them in the fire. Look what happens, though. You know, Paul Harvey used to say, for those who knew Paul Harvey, when I was growing up, I used to love Paul Harvey. Here's the rest of the story. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be the God of, our, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servant. They trusted in him and defiled the king's command, and they were, they were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, therefore, mm -mm -mm, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego Watch this. Be cut into pieces, not good, and their houses be turned into a pile of rubble, not good, for no other God can save this way. Give God some praise in the house of the Lord. I mean, that's your God. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what season you're in. God's with you. He's in you. He's for you. He's before you. He's behind you. He's under you. He's over you. He's your God. Rise up the faith and know Understand, he wants you to be consistent in your actions, persistent in your drive, and resistant to the setbacks that come your way. Or resistant to the ones that say, ah, you can't do that. That never been done before. Well, let's do it. What a great idea. Let's do it. You know, we talked about Thomas Edison. You know, when you look at 2,000 failures, as one reporter said, how does it feel to fail 2,000 times? And he said, I didn't fail 2,000 times. I found an element that would not work with a light bulb. That's research. You see, it's how we, it's our perspective. We can learn through our faults. We can learn through situations. There's always something. Nothing is always bad. Hello. I tell people all the time, there's always two tracks going in life. The good track and the bad track. I haven't heard yet, and maybe in my own life, I've never seen both trains just on the good track. There's always some good things and some bad things. The question is, what track are you going to focus on? You're going to focus on God's track or just listen to your own voice? That would be encouraging. Consistent in your action. It's so important. Are you committed to Christ? Will you be connected to him then? If you're going to be committed, will you then make the choice to be totally connected? Connected will be consistent and then begin consistent. When you're consistent, you'll be able to carry some great things out for God. So important. So let's look at a couple of things. We're in closing. Let me land the plane. CPR. Consistent in your action. What area of your life do you need to be consistent in? So I'm trying to be consistent, and that's good. Keep trying. That's how you get there. How about your Bible reading, your study time, your prayer time? How consistent are you? Can God count on meeting you at a certain time, at a certain place during every day? How consistent are, do you spend in prayer? How consistent are you not reading the Bible to check it off your list and say, done, but read your Bible to say, because I want to know you, God. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a grow time, not a have-to time. Christians sometimes want to read their Bible. They just want to get a check. Ah, got my Bible reading done. Feel good. I don't think we should do it as a check. I think we should do it because we want to know the author. If you want to know the author, you have to read the book. 
How, how's, your, how's your consistent in being at the Bible studies and putting yourself in small group and being yourself at church? How consistent are you in the things that's going to cause you to grow? I don't know about you, but I'm always doing things to grow. I'm looking for the next thing to... I got a lot of work that I got to do for this new transformation that we're working on here at the church, but I'm, I'm looking for the next thing. I was going to try to be a pilot, but uh, nobody wants to fly with me. And uh, that really discouraged me, to tell you the truth, because I love air and I love planes and I was going to go to the military and Air Force is where I was going and it was all about planes. But I'm going to find and go to school and pick up something else. I want to continue to learn about God and about things, about life. Why? Because we have to keep learning, keep growing, enjoy life. Someone, maybe one person, just one person, could have said amen. Too late, too late, too late, too late. <laughs> How are you consistent in, in your giving? You know, you don't supposed to give because, you know, I have to. No, you give because you want to. Being obedient and your giving is important to the Lord. It's part of it because God says he doesn't want, he doesn't really necessarily need your money. He wants your heart. But we have more heart to our finances. But the, our finances are to grow the kingdom. That's what we're here about. How consistent are you with your words? How consistent are your behavior? How consistent are you with the people you hang with? Are they helping you to get to where you want to be or who you want to be? How persistent is your drive? Are you persistent for the things just for you? Is it all about you? Is that what you live for? Small world, trust me, I've buried a lot of people. Are you persistent in pursuing your God? Are you persistent in doing what's right? Are you persistent about learning more about God's word? Are you persistent in trying to be a help to someone or a blessing to someone? Because you want to be blessed, go out and bless someone else. I tell people sometimes when they have a lot of problems, I said, you know, you're not going to like this, but this is truth. Stop focusing on your own problems and go be a blessing to someone else. Focus on someone else. You'll do you world of good. And how about this? How you are you consistent in your action? How persistent in your drive? And how are you in your resistance to your setbacks? Do negative words control you? Are you a negative Nancy? If you're a Nancy, sorry. Yes, I like my. But the thing is, we don't want to focus on negative. God's not, you can't find negativity in God's word. The Bible says all things are possible. He's a can-do God. He's not like little Eeyore. Not going to make it. We're doomed. Stop listening to people who are just always tearing you down, always have nothing good to say. They're not going to help you. You're not going to get there. When you have a bad situation, does it weaken your faith? And if it does, do you finally come to the point of saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, I have a choice of what I do next. Faith comes by hearing. I hear the word of God. What does the word of God say? And then you act on it. You don't let your situations and your events control you. That does not define you. It may be an event, but it doesn't define you. In God, all things are possible. Do personal failures cause you to stop growing and then keep you a pity party mindset? Because setbacks happen. Come on now, setbacks happen. Sometimes they're permanent. Sometimes 
Loved one goes to war and they don't come back. They happen. Family members get married and die the next night. It happens. You don't know why? It happens. They're setbacks. Yet in the midst of every story, God has a reason. And we have to trust God because that's where we get to know God. And you get to know God in the deep, dark, dreary days. When his light comes in and he shows you a little bit more than you understood. But we have to choose in life what we're going to do and how we're going to live with a CPR. I love the portion of scripture that has been such a blessing. I love the book of Philippians. And as the word of God is speaking, it says, Paul Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, someone say one thing. Forgetting what is behind and straining forward the things which are ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want to win the prize. I know we live in a fallen world. I know it's all messed up. I know it's going to get worse, but the word of God is still the same. It does not change. It's still a life force. It's still hope. It's hope in the midst of the darkness. It's help in the midst of the hurt. I'm telling you what, the gospel of Jesus Christ transforms life, and I am a testimony of what God can do. And so are you. Don't forget your history because it's still being written if you were to just take it and bring it to God. Let me close with this. The plane is on the runway. I want you to think about a God who split the Red Sea. I want you to think about a God who caused water to come out of a rock. I want you to think about a God that took these giant walls that were like 30 feet wide and he caused the walls of Jericho to break on down just because his people shouted. I want you to understand this is the same God who tore the veil to give us access to the throne of God. I want you to understand this is the same God who can heal the sick. And Lord knows I've seen plenty sick healed in miraculous ways that God has done because he is still the same God that he promises to be. I want you to understand that even though you're weak and you're small, you can still kill the giant. He did it for David, he'll do it for you. God has not changed. I want you to know he's still the same God that can close the lion's mouth when you feel like you're going to be devoured by some situation or situation. God's still on the road. He's still with you. He still rules. He still reigns. That's the God I'm talking about. I'm talking about a God who can open prison doors because just because he can. I want you to know he's not just God, but he's God overall. He's not just something you know of, but he wants you to know him. I want you to know something. This same God is real, and he wants more of your heart. Only God can change it. Change mine. Well, how did he change mine? He changed mine because I just said, God, I surrender. 
Surrender is the most beautiful, beautiful word when it comes in the Lord. Saying, God, I can't, but you can. Some of the situations throughout life that were bigger than I, I learned how to say, God, I can't, but you can. I don't understand, but I know you do. Well, your ways are better and higher. I'm looking through a keyhole, but Lord, you're looking through a whole door being opened. So you know what? I'm going to trust you. Can you close your eyes for a moment? Just, just rest in him for a moment. And I'm going to ask the Spirit of God just to speak to your heart. Speak to your heart just to, I want God to be God. I want God to do what he wants to do. I know nothing is difficult for him. Nothing. I also know the heart of the will, the heart. The heart has to be open for God to do something in it. The heart has to be sensitive to his ways, his word, his work, to do his works. Father, I ask right now that you would speak to each heart here. Father, I ask right now that you would minister to whatever area that they have. I watch those online. I pray that you would minister to each one online. I pray that you would help them in whatever situation. And I pray right now, if they do not know Jesus, if you're here today and you do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, it's so easy. Simply say, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. And ask God to come into your heart and life. Surrender. Surrender to him. And have him come into your heart. And say, I believe you loved me and died on the cross for me. Tell him that you choose to live your life for him. Because you believe that he died on the cross for you and on the third day he rose again. It's that simple, but God will do it for you and change your life because God is a transformational God. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is a great God. Now, I'm not one of those preachers sometimes where I say, if you want to know Jesus, if you want to know Jesus, I tell people, if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could stand their feet and stand, I'm bold. I like to be bold. But if you're here today and Jesus is not your Savior, but you want to go out of these doors knowing you have a relationship with God, raise your hand right where you are and say, hey, I want to change my life. I want God as my, my Savior, my Lord. How many would say also that the message spoke to you in some way? Raise your hand. I want you to take what the Spirit of God has spoken to you. And I want you to write it down somewhere and remind yourself. I'll go one step further. Even listen to the message again. Get it deep in the heart until it becomes deep in your life. And I promise you, I promise you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God will perform and do great miraculous things because he is more than able. I know it. I believe it. That's all I can tell you. Amen? Come on, give him, give him praise one more time. We're going to bless your name, Father. Bless your name. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church. 
despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.